really, really excited for today's podcast with Zach Dobson. Zach is a documentary and commercial photographer based in Indianapolis, and we originally got connected on TikTok, and I loved his work, and I loved his messages, and uh, so I asked him to come on. I've been wanting to do this for quite a while, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this chat. Zach's got a really impressive client list that includes the Indiana Pacers, Coca-Cola, Zipcar, Indiana University, just to name a few. So let's get into this. Please welcome Zach Dobson. So thanks for coming on, obviously, uh, first yeah. of all. Um, we've been sort of following each other uh, on TikTok for for a little bit now. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, but uh, the difference between the two of us is I was on vacation uh, out east. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then one day I look and you have like, you went from like 1,000 followers to 20,000 followers seemingly overnight. It pretty much was. It was really wild crazy I, I couldn't believe first of all i want to say this is really funny this it's like i'm used to seeing your videos all the time i feel <laughs> like you're often talking to me but i'm not talking back to you so it's kind of this funny thing i haven't experienced yet with people it's a little on, bit surreal in a way talk. yeah I yeah agree. that was that was maybe i need maybe i need you to go on another vacation so i can get another big spike in my Maybe that was what was key. I mean, it's been steady growth since then. I've been very happy about it. Um, yeah. It was just that one time where it like really like, and it was, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I remember the date I posted that video was September 29th. Um, and just like a week or two before that, I did my first profile on another photographer. And I had wanted to tell people about Fan Ho because I didn't know about him for a long time. And I really loved his work. And it seems he seems very like modern uh, based, you know, when you look at modern street photography, a lot of it's very similar to what he did in the 50s and 60s. And so I just wanted to tell yeah. people about that. Be like, hey, did you know about this guy? And then um, that video got like 40,000 views, which at the time, all my videos were like under a thousand. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow. OK, so people are interested in learning about other photographers. And I'd happen to see this video clip of Gary Winogrand and how he would shoot. And he's like fumbling with his camera and you're like, wait, what is he doing this on purpose? Is he like, uh, does he just have ticks or like what's going on? So I kind of like played it up. Like I didn't know what was going on as the intro. And that's like, what one, 1.5 million views on that now or something crazy. I know. Yeah. It's really, and um, you know, I don't know. It's just like the luck of hitting something because you can make the really great videos and then they either do nothing, like do fall nothing. completely flat. Or I had one the other day that like took off like a rocket and I was like, oh, yes, I haven't seen one this grow this fast in a while. Yeah. It's doing really well and it was getting like the, if you look at the, I'm always in my head kind of thinking about like how many likes is it getting a percentage of likes per view sort of thing yeah like thinking about that and it was like super high and I'm like all right this one's going and then all of a sudden just like it just stopped it did a good number i was happy with how it just, went but I, but it was just kind of confusing like it has all the things like a third it was like a third of the people a third of the views were likes and then it had a whole bunch wow. of shares and a whole bunch of comments i'm like okay this one this one's going and it just like it just stopped 
it's so weird when that happens. That's like what happened. Yeah, it's, it's TikTok. It's just part of it. It used to make me more mad than it does now. <laughs> now I just kind of accept it as my uh, fate when you don't know. You don't have yeah. any way to know what's going to work. I was, so, I was going to ask you that. How do you, because I, I feel I actually made a, a post the other day saying, you know, when you're a kid, you, you feel like uh, you, you don't know if the girl's going to dance with you at the school dance and you right. want all the kids to like you. And it's like, now we're doing that as adults. And I feel like when I'm older, I'll look back and be like, why did I worry so much about how many people liked my videos on TikTok? Like, you, you know, how do you navigate yeah. that? Because there's this weird thing where you sort of feel like it's attached to your for us, our job. So if you get more successful on TikTok, right. that means you're going to be a more successful successful photographer. Right. Do you think that's true? That if you are successful on social media, you'll be a more successful photographer? Yeah, uh, as, as a business, I guess, as a business. Sure. I mean, I guess that's what everyone hopes. I mean, I have this kind of goal of like, I've been doing commercial work for um, a long time. Uh, I've had my business for... 16 years now or something like that that I've been doing photography full-time and um, um, and sometimes I uh, I lose my train of thought I think like I have five kids so I don't always get a lot of sleep and sometimes that <laughs> ma manifests in me like kind of getting where I was going with all this stuff so uh, it's all good the, the goal so it's always been client work and it's been better and better and better client work but I think for me, the goal is to be like completely independent. I would love to just produce what I want to produce, whether it be, you know, videos, photo stories, books, my own books, right. you know, um, or creating my own work that then magazines pick up and run or things like that. But that goal is to be like completely self-sufficient where, um, you know, I'm not having to rely on client work so much. I'm happy for the client work. I don't want to like... <laughs> Uh, I'm happy to do that, you know, as long as it's going on. But um, I think, yeah, that goal to be self-sufficient. And, and I tell myself, like, well, if I can get a big social media following somewhere, that would help. Yeah. I mean, if you've got two or three million people following you, like between, um, you know, sponsorships or partnerships or um, selling products like small products or... Um, you know, any of that kind of stuff, it seems like it wouldn't be that hard to put together a decent income from all that. And did um, that, do you think that that existed pre-social media? Like, did you ever have that aspiration or did you ever think that was like a feasible goal before social media? Be completely yeah. self-sufficient like that? Yeah. I mean, my my journey through photography has been kind of like, I mean, when I first started out, I came from a journalism background. I thought I was going to work at newspapers. And um, my goal was to kind of like work my way up through the newspapers to where I was working for like the New York Times or the Washington Post and then maybe staff on a magazine like National Geographic. And now, I mean, like nobody has staff anymore, really. No, um, I mean, <laughs> newspapers have some, but but it's always it's getting rare. pared down and they don't get paid very much money. And um, and while it's not about the money, obviously, it's like, well, you got to make a decent living. Um, I wasn't going to be one of these people like 
as much as I love a photographer, one of my favorite photographers is James Noctway, um, documentary, you know, photojournalist. And I do not want to be him or live like him, you know, where he's on the, on the road nine, 10 months out of the, out of the year, unmarried, no kids, lives out of a suitcase. Like yeah. that, some people like that romantic. That's a serious version. lifestyle. Yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's, so it yeah. wasn't, no, something like this couldn't have been on my radar. And I didn't take any kind of art photography seriously at all. I used to think it was like frivolous and like silly. Like I, I just thought the dumbest things. I've grown a lot since I was <laughs> 22, thankfully. But, um, but as I've moved through things, I've seen, it's been a lot of time figuring out like, what specifically do I love about photography and what do I want to do? What do I want to pursue? And to me, I love where documentary and art comes together. It's kind of like the street photographers where it's like they're, they're taking a real, um, you know, uh, ethereal kind of um, non-literal interpretive approach mm -hmm. photography, like capturing flow and the life and the whatever it's not necessarily telling a story like a then b then c it's like this is what it feels to be in this place um at this time and with these people and um that's really what i like best of all so i'm thinking like i don't want to like just do street photography i want to take that approach to like when i go visit national parks you know i want to show what the place is like it's not just nature shots it's not just animals it's like, I want to show how people are interacting with the land or each other in the land or, um, you know, any of those kinds of things. Um, I like when I get opportunities to go like document a sporting event or a concert or a comedy festival because it's all it's all life happening everywhere. So um, yeah. as I kind of been able to accept that I've might be more into the art side of things than I initially would have thought. It's been kind of reevaluating and how, how do I want to do this moving forward? And, and you're a, a doc. So you call yourself a documentary photographer. I've heard you yeah. sort of say that in a few videos. I do say documentary. I say documentary. And sometimes when I'm talking to people that might be like, uh, sometimes I'll say documentary and commercial photographer so that people know. Like I am a photographer you do both. for hire and I do it, I yeah. do it professionally. Which is in my commercial work. I take that approach as much as possible. So it's about, you know, for my clients, it's about documenting their business or I work with a lot of not-for-profits. So it's showing, um, okay, so you want people to donate money to your not-for-profit. So let's show them how you use it. Um, right. Don't just take a portrait of a person and then put some words by it. Like, show like this is what this person is able to do now because they got money from us or this is how we help this community or yeah through you know storytelling and and um, that's i i yeah. love that idea of the i like that you call it documentary photography because i'm an aspiring well i used to be aspiring i, I finally finished my first documentary and nice. um submitted it to a festival and and fingers oh, cool. crossed it gets selected and everything but yeah. Um, that's something that I'm, I'm really into. And when I hear you say documentary photographer, it strikes a chord with me because 
I feel like that's something that I've neglected in a way. I feel like uh, when I, on the video side, I'm all in on the documenting the process and the, and the story yeah. and the whole thing. Um, yeah. But on the photography side, I don't necessarily always think of it the same way. I think it, intuitively I do. Like you mm -hmm. said, you know, you go to a comedy show, you show the behind the scenes, you show the, you know, the stand up, the, the performer behind the stage. And like, I've, I've seen some of your, your sort of work there. So yeah. there's a story around everything, but I just like the, the documentary photographer um, title. So is it different that, would you call that different than photojournalism then? Not inherently different in any way. Um, I think they both kind of have the same standards. I mean, the connotation to me, documentary maybe has kind of more of a long-term kind of feel to it than photojournalism. Mm -hmm. But it's funny, though, when I use the word documentary, I'm not thinking that. I'm, yeah. I'm not thinking um, I'm doing long-term projects because I don't, I don't really have the ability, my life, to do long -term to do those projects right yeah. now um and is the and journalism well i don't know yeah and is Go the ahead. journalism part is does that always sort of have the like the the news association to it like it's going to go in a paper it it's going to yeah i think at least that's like traditionally <laughs> if yeah. i can get that word out yeah um is i think that's kind of how people hear it people think of photojournalists it's going to go to some sort of news outlet, whereas documentary maybe is more, uh, you know, I don't know. I think people also think of photojournalism as more, um, if I want to say analytical, it's more like um, just straight facts, maybe. You know what I mean? It's like, right. I don't think photojournalism, the way people generally think of it, has that kind of like artistic nature to it where maybe documentary is a little more artistic. I always um, find it incredible to see artistic photo photojournalism. I, I think it, it's, it's amazing sure. to know that someone has clearly has a job to do yet somehow finds and, and probably a very small window to do it in, but yet somehow finds the uh, creativity to be able to get those creative shots and make yeah. the photography stand out. Um, that's, that's what a, I that's love. A skill. Yeah, sure. It definitely is. And I like, that's why I kind of am drawn to that, um, intersection of art and, and journalism and documentary is because, um, images can have, they can have more of an impact because they keep your gaze. They keep you, your attention longer and you, you dive into the, the image more. So, um, I like that kind of intersection and that's something, I don't know, I feel like I'm wanting to do a lot of um, advocacy for that type of photography. I think it, more people can do it. I think like I want to teach people about it. And, um, and you are. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> no, you're, you're teaching me a lot. I mean, I was brushing up on your, your content uh, before this podcast and, and I always watch it when it pops up uh, anyway. But um, something I wanted to ask you about was, how did you uh, learn about the history of photography? Uh, is that did you go to school? It, it seems like it comes naturally to you. Like to me, you're like, and maybe you know, don't take you sound you're like the godfather of photography on TikTok. Like you're the teacher, That's funny. Um, the yeah. history teacher, and you, you share your own work as well. But 
Um, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to find out like, how did you get all this knowledge and um, where does that passion lie within you to like learn and then share it? Honestly, most of the stuff that I'm presenting, learn about right before I present it. <laughs> nice. So <Me> too. <laughs> like, yeah, right. So you know, I took like one history of photography class. My major was in journalism. They didn't have a photojournalism degree where I went, Indiana University. So it was uh, my major is was um, my degrees in journalism with a concentration in photography. And so, you know, cool. I took a couple art photography classes, but I had to drop my second one because I wanted to. Uh, it, it required so much time in the dark room and I was getting started shooting for the student publications. And since that was more of the track that I wanted, right. I had to drop the fine art stuff. And but anyways, I took a history of photography class and I don't know, I don't remember being that deeply engaged in it. Probably because I just didn't do well in the classroom setting at all. That was never really for me. Um but um, and I never really paid yeah. that much attention. I certainly had certain photographers, like I mentioned James Noctway. I always mm -hmm. loved Sebastio Salgado. I liked a lot. Um, Robert Capa is somebody who, again, as as a war photographer, I never had the desire to be like him in that way. But I liked his like, um, you know, getting in there approach. He was always close. Well, he was the one with the quote: "Your pictures aren't good enough. You're not close enough." that's my favorite photography quote and um something that i always you know think of when i'm working but so i had these certain people you know i knew who cartier brisson was and i knew who this and this and that um but then last couple of years doing some more on social media right before i got busy doing stuff on tiktok i've been doing more on twitter and i've been seeing a lot of photographers being shared and i was like oh, i didn't know about this photographer like, I didn't know about Fan Ho until, like, yeah, year, year and a half, two years ago. And I started, like, really being drawn in, into the their work. And so in the beginning, it was with these posts, it was just kind of like, oh, I, I saw this photo. And I'm like, wow, who is this person? And so I, like, dig into them more. Um, I mean, that was with Gary Winogrand. Like, I knew who he was. And I had a couple of his photos that lived in my mind and I really loved a lot, but um, didn't know that much about, you know, he was or where he came from or um, his larger body of work. And um, so, yeah, a lot of times I'm just learning about people beforehand and I try to only pick people that I'm, I like excited about. Yeah. Which turns out to be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's a lot, but I, that yeah. Gary Winogrand one was was fascinating and i think it deserved the attention that it got because it is really strange to see someone especially shooting on film i feel like mm -hmm. you know if someone could stumble around with a digital like a dslr or whatever and you take yeah. a picture you see it on the screen it's kind of easy but to see someone like it's a lot it, it was it was not a cheap photography was not cheap when you were shooting on film so to be like wasting yes. shots and 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 just looking at him fumbling around and like it's just it was really there was something like inspiring about it at the same time yeah you know he was very poor in massive debt like there is this That's letter crazy. you can see on wikipedia they have his wikipedia page they have an entry from a letter from his ex-wife was just like talking about all the ways he like owed all this money to taxes because he refused to pay taxes and like that's so um, funny there were thousands of rolls of film he, when he died that were undeveloped. And I think they're like 
trying to go through and develop them now. But um, and he died in like '84, something like that. So, like all this film was in a vault or something. I don't know. There's all this stuff. Like so, yeah. There's all these people, um, and I, I want to make it approachable for the general public. So it's. I mean, if you love photography, you'll get something out of it. But I want people to look at some of these and be like, oh, it turns out I love photography. This is really interesting to me um, to make it more like approachable to people. And I think that's super important. And I want to I want to ask you about um, you. You mentioned that when you were younger, um, you didn't appreciate the art of photography um, as much. And was that a general, like, did you not appreciate art at, at, as a general, like just in general, or was that photography specific? I did like art. I think what bothered me about, I don't know where this came from. I'm going to preface this by saying it was really stupid. Uh, I just kind of thought it was like cheap. Like, what are you doing? Like, doing like light blur and like just taking a picture and like moving the camera around like what is this even like if you want to make art like learn how to paint or something yeah learn how to like draw or sculpt um again i have to keep saying this was really stupid but this is what i thought when i was like 20 19 20 years yeah, old yeah and that's totally fair yeah and um you know and some of the stuff now that i didn't used to like like i appreciate more some of it even if i don't particularly like i've learned to kind of appreciate some different stuff so like what today, happened like but, where what yeah. was the turning point of where you started like was it an overnight thing or just you started to slowly develop the the love for the art of it over time i stopped being so judgmental <laughs> oh, yeah. about like what other people were doing and know that like most people are just trying to like do something that's interesting to them I think most people who are, yeah. are um, successful artists uh, I feel like they're trying. I guess I felt like with certain types of art, or certain types of like film, uh, like people were trying to manipulate audience and I didn't like that and it didn't. But once I see more about like people are just who are just being authentic that stuff just connects like Gary Winogram is just being himself I mean that's not a great example because I always liked that street style of photography mm -hmm. some of the stuff maybe I didn't like like today I did a post on um uh Ralph Eugene Meat Yard and I had seen some of his stuff in masks and I was like oh what is this I mean like okay it's kind of like creepy or whatever but um hadn't seen it in a long time and coming back to it I'm like oh this is interesting mm-hmm like maybe because you know 40 50 years after he'd done it i'd seen a lot of like knockoffs of it but like this isn't something people were doing and he yeah. had like a like a an idea he had like an aesthetic that he was going for he had like um it was what was interesting to him he wasn't trying to like like i said he wasn't trying to like manipulate people or anything he just was kind of interesting in these sort of like odd in different scenes and um so i think i have more of an appreciation i wouldn't necessarily hang any of those mask photos in my house i appreciate sure. them for what they are and a lot of his nature stuff i would hang in my house i mean he did a lot of really beautiful non-traditional sort of 
nature photography with a lot of like super long exposures or double exposures or, um, you know, he did a really cool series where I think basically what he was doing was following the light on the reflections on the river or something. And it created these really contrasty kind of wave, wave motions. Cool. Yeah, and I'm like that, I'd love that. I'd put something like that up. That's really cool. And you couldn't, you know, shooting on film, you couldn't see the result of that until you developed it. So yeah. it was an even deeper art form in a way when you were getting like that creative with it because you just didn't have the the result right in front of you, right? Which mm -hmm. there, there is something to be said about that too. Um, so uh, what I'm curious about then, because in one way that you're really inspiring to me is... Um, you're, I don't give a shit what you, what you think. I like this photo and that's all that matters. That, uh, that sort of mentality, I struggle with that personally. And I think a lot of photographers struggle there. Um, when did you develop that ability? Was that something that just came over time? I like this question. First of all, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. I think, um, I used to get so I, I guess I keep coming back to this. I used to get mad a lot. I was very generally angry about things. And um, that's something I've worked to really let go of. And I would get upset when I was first on Instagram because I'm like, these pictures are so good. My pictures are so good. Like, why can't anybody see it? Like, why don't people appreciate this? Like, why is nobody like... It's not that I cared so much about the likes. It's not that I needed validation. I'm like, I already know this is good. Like, why yeah. can't you tell it's good? <laughs> and I would get so mad about it. And then I was like, you know, I mean, most people just don't get, you got this tiny little square on the screen. And something I work to do is to really like fill my frame up with as many different elements and visual details. And it's yeah. just, it's not going to come through. I mean, a lot of, I do shoot commercially so a lot of my stuff like i looks it could be an advertisement so i think sometimes people like scroll past things just assuming it's an ad or something <laughs> and um so i mean i guess the first thing was like kind of realizing like you know whatever people like different things people can see different things some people get it some people don't and it's like whatever and i so that was probably part of it and then um I don't know where the rest of it came from. I remember responding, making a response video to someone on that like Instagram post that was like, it's just pictures of people was what their comment was. Like, there's nothing yeah. special about these. Like, they're just pictures of people. And I was like, you're right. They are just pictures of people. To me, it means something. Yeah. Like, it's that picture on the bench where there's like, you know, yeah. I don't know, like a dozen people on the bench and they're in these little groups and some some people are like, you know, putting their hair back or they're or they're like talking to someone up close. So there's all these like little like moments happening in one picture. And if that doesn't register with you. It doesn't register with you. It doesn't mean that that picture is not good because it wasn't just that that one comment now granted you know that video had over a million views but that one comment had like you know five thousand six thousand <laughs> likes or something yeah so there's so, other people feeling the same there's other thing people who felt that way and not like a majority but more than a couple dozen 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and it's like, all that means is it doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't mean anything if it doesn't make it good or make it bad. It doesn't make it good because I say it's good. I means I like it is what it means. And that's what I feel. I mean, I kind of felt that way about music for a long time. Is that like, I don't think there's like objectively bad music. I think that yeah. um, somebody likes it, even if it's just the person who's making it. So, uh, yeah. So to kind of transfer that over into photography and say like, we can all have our own opinions and each of us is right. I mean, who cares what, even if the artist had a different intention, if you get something else out of it, like that's what you got out of it. You can't tell me what I got out of it is wrong. No, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. That's, yeah. That that's oh. your, you can't tell someone that their feelings are wrong, right? It's just like all those people couldn't tell me that my photos weren't any good because I wasn't getting, you know, a following on Instagram. Um, exactly. I mean, I didn't, my Instagram didn't start doing anything until more people started following me on TikTok. <laughs> and That's it's still good. like, it's good, but it's still like very minor. Um, but uh, it doesn't always carry over, I guess, like that you, you hope that it will spill over. And I guess, like you said, it it does a little bit, right? But let's let's talk about this AI thing. Yeah, sure. Because I feel like uh, if people are saying, <laughs> if if it's also it's all subjective, right? Um, and people are saying, oh, I don't see anything of value in that photo. That was just a bunch of people like sitting on a bench or whatever. Yeah. Do you think those might be the same people that would say that? A computer might take a better photo or, yeah. or maybe that's not maybe that's a bad i don't know if that's a, a fair guess I but they most likely have i mean at least a different taste in what photography they like i have a lot to say about this <laughs> so so let's let's and, fill we'll fill anyone in that's listening or watching whatever yeah. There is this, uh, I don't know, I think it feel like it's a few years old now. It's called this, this is, thing yeah. that you put on top of your camera. It's called Arsenal. And this is like an AI technology uh, that helps you take better photos. Um, I wouldn't even say it helps you take better photos. It takes what they would claim as like the best possible photo in the situation, uh, from what mm -hmm. I can gather. So for example, um, it'll bring out colors that you could only bring out in editing so if you are a documentary photographer you would obviously never use something like that um, but for this instagrammy world that we live in photography world that we live in seems pretty optimal right um yeah. but it's taking the photographer out of the equation in, in a sense out of a lot of the decision making you still pick where the camera sits and where to point it it um yeah does a lot of i mean yeah like you mentioned the color i noticed you know it'll analyze what's how things are moving like if there's water and do like a really long exposure to get the like smooth water or if there's big wave bursts it'll do fast sh a shutter so it'll like freeze the water spray or i saw a thing i watched their promo video because i didn't know <laughs> what exactly it did because they've got the yeah. second one the second version of it came okay. out I don't know within the last year let's and say. it's like a kickstarter type of thing right yeah 
Yeah. Yes. The first, well, yeah, the first one they put on Kickstarter and they raised like, I don't know, $3 million. Yeah. Something, something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then for some reason, they're, okay, they're a successful company and then they go back to do another Kickstarter for their second version. That doesn't make any sense to me, but that's, yeah, that's, that's I thought the same thing. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. But, um, so they, they, it does other things like the, do they call it like focus stacking where it'll, it'll take a picture. Even if you can't shoot at like, say F 22 or 32 or whatever, or it'll, shoot, it'll shoot like 10 or 12 images at like F four or 5.6 and move the focus towards the back from the foreground to the background for each photo and then blend them all together. Okay. That one thing got a super sharp image from front right. to very back of the landscape. Another thing it said it did was it showed at like a public monument. It's taking multiple frames and then it like wipes the people out of it. But it takes multiple frames as people wow. are moving around. And it wasn't super crowded. There were maybe like 20 people milling around. But they each move enough so it can get a clear shot of each section of the picture without a person. And then wow. it like blends them without the things. And um, God, that's I feel like crazy. I'm like, no and it, yeah it's uh, it, yeah it's like you work for them or something uh but no it's nothing <laughs> you i would ever you use. um it's but not, there there's I, something yeah. sorry go ahead i i was just saying it's nothing i would ever use um obviously photography is notorious for having a lot of purists oh so obviously you know people aren't going to sure get into it from that perspective i think I did a little looking around because I wanted to see like what the reviews were and what people's real world experience with it was. And one guy on YouTube, um, I thought he had a good point. I don't know his name. Sorry, guy. Uh, basically that this would be good for somebody who is just kind of an amateur yeah. and they want to just take vacation photos this just makes their pictures better yeah it's like what it is exactly what i thought too like if, if you want to pretend like you're a pro photographer and get the pro photographer results without having to put in the work of learning all of that stuff um great tool probably right so yeah. the i have this kind of um thing i notice about there's always people saying like, oh, this is the end of this. Oh, well, now anybody <laughs> can do this thing. And I'm like, if your job can be replaced by artificial intelligence, is it really? Now, I'm going to say that. And there's probably some example of some real like advanced skill that somebody has to have, <laughs> like, a, like a doctor being replaced by like a robot who does yeah. the same procedure or something. Right. But even though robots and surgeries are controlled by people for now, I don't I don't know. Maybe that's not a good thing to say. Let's not say that. Uh, let's say that what it made, what it really reminded me of is when I first started doing professional photography, I was, um, you know, I graduated from college in 2004. I worked at a newspaper for a little bit. I started taking my own uh, clients in 2006 is really when I was like starting to do my own client work. And you know, digital was really just starting to 
explode at that point. Um, it'd been around, you know, obviously for a number of years, but the cameras were, that was the point where cameras were getting pretty good for yeah. not as much money. Yeah. You could get a good camera for $1,500 or $1,200. As before that, they'd been like three, $4,000. Yeah. So there are all these people and, um, you know, people would always throw around that, that term MWAC. You know what I'm talking about? Um, no, no. MWAC is mom with a camera and oh. it's meant to be derogatory. I don't agree with this term. It's just something that's out there. It's, it's something that people who, what was happening is there's is all these people who are interested in photography and they had the means to good equipment and they would do it on the weekend or in the evenings as like a hobby they were doing, you know, portrait sessions for families, let's say, primarily right. at birth is the type of business that these people were getting into. And so they charge $100, $200, all in. You, you get the portrait session and you get all the digital files. Whereas, like, the people who ran family portrait studios, and you're talking about, like, three or $400 sitting fee, and then you're buying prints for another few hundred dollars, I mean, yeah. even if you go to like a cheap studio where it's like in and out, bare bones sort of thing, you're paying a lot more than that. You're paying like three, four hundred dollars probably. And those guys were pissed. I say guys because it was mostly guys who were getting pissed about it. And it was like, oh, people just don't appreciate. I'm like, well, your job, if you can't di differentiate yourself from an amateur yeah. photographer, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, your yeah. job is basically a glorified button pusher at these studios. You have this book of poses that you run through, you know, pose this way, yeah. you know, do over the shoulder. Everything's um, set, just always ready to go. Uh, family of five, you stack them this way. Family of six, you stack them yeah. that way. Um, you know, run through the group. I'm a dad, just the siblings, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, you got the lighting is set up so, at your... Lighting's always set, super flat. Yeah. 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 It's very little, like artistic yeah it's just kind of like creating a document yeah and so the, those are the people you know i had a couple of those guys like complain to me extensively or with weddings i started doing weddings in 2006 this guy's like ah, everybody's coming in just doing weddings and anyone with a camera where these guys were getting paid like three four five thousand dollars a wedding and then same deal you know, that um, advanced amateur comes in with the camera and charges somebody $500 to shoot a wedding. It's like, that they're not even taking your business. They're they're taking clients who are like beneath your pay grade. Like, why do you care so much? Yeah. And I think this is, it just, this sort of attitude moves through the ranks of photography. So I think like, if you're taking landscape photos that can be replicated by ai yeah like I, try something different <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like move on to something else do it in a different way like do it in a way that's that's you know uh can't be replicated how do you machine. how do you today it's even probably you know you're talking about 2006 um mm. it's even more even more so today everyone's got a really good camera on their iphone right. so how do you compete with that 
today? What like in your in your business and what you do, um, does that interfere with your work at all today versus you know back then? It doesn't really. Um, people who are trying to do more of that kind of stuff, like there's a lot of small businesses that are trying to do it themselves. Um, so it gives more access to. Whereas maybe a small business before would have had to, I don't know, save up or take out a small loan to pay a photographer $1,000 to come out and do a full set of images. Um, now they're like, well, I'll just try to shoot it on my phone. So if your clientele was completely small businesses, it's probably, oh, excuse me, probably hurting a bit. But, um, it's hard to keep a successful photography business going when you're only working with small businesses at the same time, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's when, if you can, if you can got to bring more to the game than just your gear. You know, you've got to bring uh, a vision. You've got to bring problem solving. You've got to bring yeah. um, something Well, that. I stitched this post the other day of this woman who was a, the, a commercial photographer, portrait artist kind of photographer. And she's talking about, she worked a lot with Dolly Parton and over the years. And, um, you know, the most recent shoot that they had was, um, you know, she said her stuff is always like highly like storyboarded. They're like controlling her image. They're like really know they're hiring her make their vision come to life, not for her own right. vision most of the time. She said, you know, I had this idea and I was really persistent and I convinced them to let me try it. Like after we did all the other things and then that's the picture that they chose for the cover of her album. Exactly. And it's yeah. like, that's what you have to bring to the table to, to make it. You can't just be someone who knows how to operate gear. You've got to have your own vision and help things out. I can't tell you like how much repeat work I've got from clients just by being easy to work with. Yeah. Oh, wait, I don't like exactly. that. I don't like saying easy to work with because easy to work with is a phrase that people use about you when you're being a pushover. I think a lot of yeah. times being someone who's a good collaborator, someone who um, brings something to the table, someone who is like shows up on time is, you know, dressed appropriately is like um, easy to talk to, easy to communicate with. Absolutely. Um, yeah one who's trustworthy i mean i had a gig i wish i shot years for this group that was a, a a group of cpas this like the state organization of cpas and they would hire me to come out to their events all the time and one of the first times i went out there you know it's a conference with cpas so like i'm wearing khakis and a dress shirt and yeah. um <laughs> like oh my god the last photographer we had like you know showed up in shorts and um, like shorts and an old T-shirt and, um, you know, uh, with like an hour or two left in the day, he was like, I got to go. I'm going up. I've got tickets for this concert up in Chicago. I've got to get going. And just oh like, my God. how do you ever get hired again after that? I, know, I, just... I don't know. I don't know. I found out years later that I actually knew the guy who like oh I went to God. college with him. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was so funny. Either uh, you're you're just that. you're getting too cocky at that point, or you don't yeah. care at that point. It's one of one of the two. No, he was never really. I mean, 
he was a he would do photography, but that wasn't his like sole focus. So I don't know that he was really trying to be in the photography business. I think it was just maybe like a side gig or something. That's I don't. I, you're never going to last, obviously, that way. Um, yeah. But you know, you, you're right as well. With you can't just coming and be. There's there's a lot that goes into it. Coming and being a professional. Um, a professional in, in all those other senses that you talked about, you know, dressed well and all those things that should go without saying, but don't, don't always, um, it's not only that there's, there's a lot of elements that go into it. There's the creative aspect. You have to deliver the goods at the end of the day. And obviously that's the most important part, but there are the clients that really do appreciate, uh, the creative stuff that they would have never asked you to do. Cause you're kind of going above and beyond at that point. You know, if you get what they ask for, and then you get the extra. Right. And yeah. it's always a good idea to to do that. And also, those are the times for me when I um, decide, like, oh, I'm going to try something new. There's nothing to lose at this point because right. you're there. So yeah. so why not? And I've had that exact situation that you talked about with the Dolly Parton shoot where, you know, they wanted the typical headshots with the backdrop and everything. And... I end up doing something different at the end of the day. And those are the ones that really stand out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do you pitch that. that to start though? I don't know. That's the trick, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes I try to give some ideas with scouting and I've got enough in my portfolio now that I can kind of show people and be like, Oh, what do you think of, of this type of thing? Yeah. Like, that's, oh yeah, I can see that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Just give them like, would you like this style or would you like this style? You know, and yeah. we can achieve both. People don't know. Most people aren't visual people, and they don't know what are, that's around them in their like yeah. everyday work setting would make for good photos. And sure. so, it's just like I try to say, show me, tell me what, like, what are your goals? What do you need these for? What are you trying to convey? Um, and then, like, let me do that. Um, like let me show you that how i can get pictures that you wouldn't ever think of to convey that message how how do you like with most of your work um is it not to go into the the business side of things but um did you like would you consider your because i i'm i i lack a niche myself um mm -hmm. and i and i feel like that is something for me that I really should decide to finally do. I just, I like doing so many different things and I kind of get bored. Um, so I've never niched uh, myself, but it, did you ever niche yourself? And, or do you just consider like the documentary style or st slash photojournalist style your niche? Exactly that. As I do a documentary storytelling approach, that's my niche. And um, sorry, is this, I was getting a little, cut in and out. Is it's okay. Still good I can still end? hear you fine. So it's, it's good. The video is a little choppy, but okay. that's okay. Um, yeah, I always, so I always considered documentary photography to be my niche and I can take a storytelling approach to any topic, you know, um, sports, music, comedy, uh, business and not for profit, like architecture, anything healthcare uh anything industrial the uh 
it has a story like who what where when hi how why how who what where when why how so yeah. like you can do that with anything okay. and um uh, that so yeah i've always considered that to be my niche and it took some time to be able to get people to understand that's always been a big part of my job is getting people to understand that works and how it can work for them and to hand that control over to me because they have to do that mm -hmm. um they have to trust me that i'm going to get them great shots without out the storyboarding without saying like you know we're going to stage this exact scenario it's like right you need a picture that's a strong horizontal to be on the banner of your website and it needs to be of your i don't know this piece of technology that you're uh pushing you know so it's like yeah let, we don't need to storyboard that i'll just shoot a bunch of shots and, with all of those considerations in mind mm -hmm. then um you know make something out of that but they have to be able to trust you and i found the businesses themselves had an easier time with this than a lot of the ad agencies beginning I think a lot of ad agencies want to do a lot of that storyboarding and yeah. they, they want to come up with the full concept, the whole concept. Because that's a that's really good what point. They're getting paid for. Yeah. Um, so I've had good experiences working, working with ad agencies and I've had bad experiences working with ad agencies. So, um, wow. This depends. That's so a really it, the good experiences are when they say, I know what you're doing i know what you do i know you're going to tell a story and find cool images and that's what we want to do we want some really like you know modern photography we want something that's really um going to capture people's attention and um you know be unique and so i trust you to come in and i think some people don't realize like that in and of itself is a good skill to have in an ad agency like you don't need yeah, somebody to plan the whole thing, you need to know somebody who knows the right people to bring the client's vision to life. So like to be able to say, Oh, I know the perfect photographer for this shoot, or I know the perfect guy to write yeah. a song for you. You don't have to write the song or design the pictures. Like let the people who specialize in those areas do those things. That's, that's a really good point though. When you relate it to other forms of art, they would never write the song. They would say, I want to hire, right yes but with photography something about photography that's like well i have a camera in my pocket and i take pictures all the time like i yeah. know how to do photography i yeah. compare things in photography stuff like music all the time because people understand it better with music that's a really um, good idea i like that i might have to know, steal like that copyright copyright is a big thing or licensing because it's like um you know i Talking about copyright, I would say something. I mean, I have to try to get new uh, analogies from time to time because they start to get dated. But you think of somebody like for a long time, I talk about Pharrell, how he wrote that song, Happy. Yeah. Or Despicable Me 2. Like, okay, he was hired by Despicable Me yes. 2 to write that song. Yeah. But like, the movie didn't own that song. He, he retains the copyright. Yeah. That he would own the copyright. Mm -hmm. They're like oh, um, commercials versus TV versus movies, like saying like, you know, if 
somebody wants to use, you know, a, a Beatles song versus like, you know, who's like somebody for another smaller artist. And if someone wants to use a Beatles song versus like um, Sebastian, I don't know where that came from. They're going to be different rates for the same thing. Uh, so that's one example. But an even right. bigger example would be like, all right, so you want to license this song for what's it for? You know, a commercial is a different price. A movie is a different price. How big of a movie? Is it a, a, a feature film? Is it like a Marvel movie? Is it like an indie film? Is it just a TV show? Like all of those things affect the price. And some for some reason, people can understand like, well, yeah, sure. Like a Marvel movie is going to pay more for a song than like, you know, yeah. um, show on Nickelodeon. Um, they understand it more that way. Then I'm like, okay, well, if you want to use this picture for a billboard, that's a lot bigger of a thing um, seen by a lot more of an audience than like your, um, you know, about me page on your website that gets a hundred hits a month. Right. Uh, so it, people seem to be able to understand it better with some of those terms. And, and you draft up, uh, like, how do you go about that process? Like, I mean, do you draft up a, a contract? Um, and then how do you keep track of those things to make sure that they aren't using it outside of, you know, the sort of contract? Yeah, it's hard. There's only so much you can do. I have a good contract. It's held up in court. So, <laughs> so you know it's good. Uh, I know it's good. Actually, it didn't even go to court because it was so good good and they knew they didn't have a chance against it so um nice it's, uh it starts off with me saying what do you want to use it for and we can do unlimited if you're like i'm going to use it for this 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 and this plus maybe in the future i'd like to do more with it like okay well then you pay a rate that is you know uh, in alignment with how much usage there could could be um so you know there's conversation ahead of time what do you need it for? Okay, it's your budget. All right, so then you can use it for. And um, and is that what you always, do typically? You sort of ask for a budget, or do you have a rough idea of what you would sort of charge for, say, uh, a magazine cover versus a billboard versus whatever? So much of the stuff now, so many people are using things across multiple platforms and any, most of the shoots I'm doing lately are like, we just want to use it for everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, I take all of that into account. Um, I mean, I have certain like day rates and half day rates that I know things will generally fall into. If it's, if it's a small business, it's a little less money. If it's a, you know, fortune 500 company, it's more money cause that's you know, broader usage. Um, Right, And I'm always clear about, even if they have unlimited usage, the things that I'm clear about are um, no third-party rights unless they want to negotiate it ahead of time. What I tell people uh, that I mean by third-party rights is they can't give that any of these photos to another business for that business to advertise their business. Mm -hmm. So. Um, sometimes depending on what industry they're in or what they're doing, they might have the right to provide images along with the press release to be run in say like a trade publication or something like that. Yeah. yeah. They don't have, they can't, you know, if they're an architect, 
and I'm taking pictures of the building, they can't give those photos to the electricians to use to advertise their business. Gotcha. Um, so I'm always make sure that that's clear. And then the copyright, I always make sure that it's clear that I own, that I own copyright. And then I'm not going to go selling their images to other people, um, without their permission. But, um, that see, that's even something like, it's rare that I would take images that I shot for a client and use them for another purpose, but it's mostly that ownership is what, um, so people come to me regularly uh, for stuff like like I did shoot something for a development company and then somebody who did like the roofing wanted to use the picture. So that's an extra fee because I retain the copyright. I get paid that fee. Or like um, I think of ones where they've actually that's great. specifically happened. I mean, I had one that was a development company that sold the properties my license only extended to the development company and didn't transfer ownership with the properties. So if the new property owners wanted to keep using my photos, then they had to pay another fee um, because it's a new set of people who are and that they, they can choose based on the fees if they want to pay me to continue to use my photos or if they want to hire somebody else to shoot new photos. Um, but they don't just get to use them free. It's pretty... Um, so. That's yeah. pretty amazing. I don't know if I don't know if I'm too green and I mean I've been doing this for a long time though. I I got my start in video. Uh mm-hmm. I went to school for video uh, TV production and then I picked up photography some way along some somewhere along the way there. So I was never really taught the copyright like this actual like uh terminology and like yeah just the rule, just general rules. But I'm also curious if this is because I'm Canadian, you're American and mm-hmm. our actors get paid crap for commercials. Like it, it's, it's different. Really? It's very different. So I'm so curious if, if this is different, uh, in Canada or if I'm just completely, that's just not a world that I've gotten into as of yet. And, and obviously sure. I'm going to, you know, um, well, I know that it, is different between like photography and videography and graphic design and things like that because i have a friend who's an art director and uh, and an illustrator and and he doesn't keep his copyright because it's not part of the industry standard he's like i don't understand he's told me basically frankly like i don't understand why you get to keep your copyright like why do you get to keep your it's crazy yeah photography is one of those like keep your copyright too if you (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to make that a priority, maybe you don't care. And there's that's not a value judgment. It's like I just have a blanket policy of I keep it, then in the future I never have to wonder. Yeah. Do I have the rights to put this photo on my website? Do I have the rights if I want to publish like retrospective of my work, even including some stuff I did for clients? Like, can I do that? Like, yeah, I can do that. Don't have to you know, worry about going back and getting permissions. Or if somebody calls me about something, you know, I know I have the rights. I might have to call the client and say, is it okay if, you know, this other company uses this picture? It's not a company that competes with them. It's like someone who works alongside them. Like I said, with that one, it was the company who like does the roofing, like them using some of the same pictures doesn't hurt the value of the original client's pictures at all. Not selling them to another architecture firm to use. 
So, um, like I said, I always, I always check. Uh, has it, but, has uh, it ever hurt you? Uh, like, do you ever think that you lost some, some jobs because you've demanded the copyright? <laughs> it's not very frequent. Um, it's not very often at all. It's like probably not even once a year. Probably wow. not. Wow. Once every few yeah, once every few years somebody really pushes. Usually people are like, Meh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um yeah. and I've had some like you know, I did some photos for this like Fortune one hundred company last at the end of the summer and out of they didn't care. I mean, they were fine with me keeping the copyright. They know what didn't even come up at all. Um, I've had contracts. I tell people this all the time, especially with editorial shoots, um, even on a small scale. So I had this online magazine that wanted to hire me last summer and they sent me over and the, the shoot was, it was like 30 minutes. I mean, I spent an hour there, but I really only probably needed like 30 minutes. And um, it it was like so so pay, and they sent me over a work for hire agreement, and I was like, oh no, uh, I can't do that, um, I don't do that. And they were like, okay, no problem. And five minutes later, they sent me another contract that had me retaining the copyright, which tells me that they have it ready to go. They were owned by like a large media <laughs> conglomerate, so of course they're going to try to do this like yeah. grab thing. Because yep. they own the rights to the photography, then anyone in this parent company can use this photo. It was a picture of like a like a bartender. It's like, well, who knows how why someone might want to use a picture of a bartender in the future, and then they can just whoop. Oh, we got one right here. Put this one in there. Um, and it could be for anything. They could. It doesn't even yeah. have to be for them. It's what people don't realize. They could sell like. I don't know why. Uh, let's say. Hilton Hotels wants to show off a some do an ad with a bartender in it. And you're talking about a national or international campaign and image that, that could be worth thousands of dollars. And they they have the right to not just to give it to the company, they can take that money. They can charge them. They own the, cop, they, they own the copyright. I'll tell you one. Well, I did a post about this um, a month or two ago um, where I did lose a job because I wouldn't do the copyright. It was with BMW. It was coming to Indianapolis to do an event. Um, and it, so the gig wasn't a commercial gig. It was a, it was a event as an event photographer. Um, Indianapolis used to have a moto GP race. So, you know, the motorcycles yeah. um, with the weaving tracks and stuff. And so they were bringing in a group of VIPs from all over the world and um, they're taking them out to the nice restaurants. They had a suite at the Speedway. They had like, you know, some kind of party and this and this and that. And they just wanted a photographer that was going to follow them around for like, I don't know, it's like two half days or something like that. And um, rate that they were willing to pay for an event photographer was reasonable. Mm -hmm. but they wanted to own all of the copyrights. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I really want this shoot. I really want to be able to say I shot for BMW. Then it turned out that part of the deal was um, we're unveiling a new car at the Speedway. It was like a new M series. I mean, this was like 10 years ago. It was like the new model version of the M5 or something. And they were going to take uh, VIPs in like hot laps around the Speedway. And I mean, the Indianapolis Motor 
Speedway is like an internationally known yeah. race. The Indy 500, like people all over the world know about the Indy 500. Absolutely. So got a brand new MW, like one of the first times like out in public, laps around this internationally known track and I'm taking pictures of it. I'm thinking like, <laughs> This is potentially like like a full page ad. This is like a billboard. Yeah. Like, if I sign my rights away, I mean that's twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of usage. If you're talking about an international ad campaign, and I'm gonna assign, I'm gonna sign that right away for the cost of uh, an event photographer in Indianapolis. Like, no way, no way. And yeah. um, no, I didn't. I didn't get the gig, and I, I was bummed about that. Uh, but, um, it was like, but it's just, risk is too high. I think yeah. You, know, yeah. you could, you could give away copyright hundred times, 99 times. It could amount to nothing. Sure. One time. It just takes that one time for you to have an image that somebody wants to pay $50,000 for. And people think this amount of money it's like I'm not like making this up as an amount of money that people get paid for like one <laughs> image. Yeah. The international ad campaign. I had a professor who uh, in college who shot a few decades for National Geographic, and he told me this is probably about twelve years ago. He was like Dow. I think it was Dow or somebody say an equivalent of Dow wanted one of these pictures that I took in India like 1980 and it just wrote me a check for it was like 15 or twenty thousand dollars but it was like you know he retained his copyright that's uh, crazy and so he was able to sell that image to dow so instead of national geographic making that money he made that money oh so, i mean this could provide for like i never plan to retire i love what i do and i'll always be taking pictures this could provide extra income the yeah. course of my life absolutely um, the copyrights passed down to my kids so if i get really famous or people really love my images or whatever um then this can provide income for like my children and grandchildren so that's crazy you know, i don't i don't mess around with it that's that's really smart i think i mean I, I there's a lot of photographers out there i'm sure that just want the work and right. they'll just say screw it um but I guess my question would be like, if someone, if someone comes to you, like, let's say there was an ad campaign mm -hmm. and Hugo Boss wanted to, I don't know why I picked that, wanted to do this um, portrait shoot, but mm -hmm. they wanted to own that. It's not that they want to own the copyright per se, but I guess it is owning the copyright. They don't want anyone else to ever be able to use that photo. They want exclusive rights to that photo. I've done exclusive before. So is that, so, that's different then? Is different because okay. exclusive just says, you're the only ones who get to use it. I own it. Yeah. You're the only one who gets to use it. So um, that's a much simpler process in the future. If oh, they really want is like, just don't want anybody else to have that image when it's relevant. So like, are they going to care if I took this image you know, this year, in 20, 30 years, I decide I want to publish that in as a part of a retrospective of my photography career. They don't care about that. 
Right. But if I sign over that copyright, I've got to go through whatever. You can't even you, you can't even put it on your website, or you can't whatever you want to do. Use it for your TikToks or whatever, or whatever you, you want permission. to do. You have yeah. to have their permission, which a lot of times they will say, like you're allowed to use this to promote yourself or whatever. Right. But um, if I if it's exclusive, I could just send them an email and say, like, hey, can I get permission to use this for this thing? And they can say yes via the email, but I can't get the copyright back. Right. Over an email. Right. Right. It's a whole process to try to get the copyright back and I'd have to purchase it or, uh, you know, if I wanted to get rights from them, if they owned it and I wanted to get some kind of license back from hmm. them to use it. And that's also like a, you know, a contract you've got to deal with and they're not going to give it away for free. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's something to consider maybe in the future if, if someone does come to me and ask me or, or and says they don't they want to own the rights to the photos maybe i could say come back and say do you want it to just be exclusive and i can still own the copyright but you have you know i we it can't be used anywhere else i guess that's i could use that in a way yeah. as a bargaining can, chip that is i guess thing you can use as a, as a bargaining chip and i think i always try to get them to answer why why do you want that not in a judgmental way but like tell me why yeah what yeah. is what are your thoughts behind that what is it that you're concerned about mm -hmm. a lot of different answers to that question could be that they want to make sure no one else is going to use it it could be that um most of the time really it's just that they don't want to have to worry about accidentally using it for the wrong thing right in which case if you're like well that's just an unlimited license then anything you use it for to promote your company is fine your company but like you said if, I, if it wants to be transferred why. to another comp like a third party that's where you put in that third party clause i guess put that in so they can't sell it or give it away mm -hmm. obviously if they don't own the copyright they can't sell it but if i don't word it the right way i think maybe technically they could give it away <laughs> I, that wouldn't get them in trouble, but the other company would have to prove that they have a license to use it. That's another thing. People act like the burden of proof is on the photographer show you didn't have the rights yeah. to use yeah. that. But no, the burden of proof is on you mm -hmm. to prove that you did have rights to use it. That's right. So a lot of people so don't understand that. That's, another yeah. area where photographers get the leg up for some reason, photography is the ultimate copyright, uh, and like music, but um. I can like I kind of get it with video. It's so specific, so different. Client. It's and like it, what would you even? I mean, I guess if you were shooting for a client and you had some B-roll of like uh, the skyline of the city, like that's something you could conceivably like market to other people if you had some nice I mean, yeah i did some architecture i did some shots for this law firm a really small law firm like three people they just wanted some nice architecture images for their site and and some uh portraits oh so, you know i put together a package for them where i did both things and then i was like you know what i really like these architecture images like i'm gonna sell them as prints <laughs> so that's something it doesn't hurt their it's completely disconnected from them. It doesn't hurt their like value of the images. They have nice images on their website. 
right. matter if someone also has that, you know, on no, I'm wall. not going to sell those images to like another law firm to put on their website. No, I, I could, I'm not going you to. You technically that, could. That'd and be a dick move. <laughs> that would be a dick move. And, and could you sell those? So you wouldn't sell them as stock photos, right? I just out of courtesy. No, but you could, could technically I could, I wouldn't see part of this is cause I'm such a nice guy. We nice guys get screwed over though by bad actors, other photographers. Cause I'll tell you what happens sometimes is people take advantage of this and they say, you know, um, shoot this ad campaign for a company. They, the photographer retains the copyright, the licenses for let's say a year. Um, let's say the licensing, because another thing is the way that I like invoice and do things um, and bill is like separate fees, creative fees, licensing fees, expenses, blah, blah, blah. The licensing fee is where like the creative fee kind of reflects what the actual physical like job is, is like, how long is it? Where am I going? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the licensing fee is about the specific usage. So let's say, okay, so this company pays like, let's say $1,000 for a year for their licensing. They come back at the end of the year and they say, oh, man, that campaign was so successful. Like, I, I want to license it for another year. What will that cost? $5,000? And they're like, no, that'll be $30,000. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, that's yeah, not that's, yeah. And so, and so then what happens is they say like, all right, forget this. Like, we're yeah. not doing that again. Like we're yeah. only doing things where we own the copyright. And that's where like the trouble starts to come in is because these people take advantage of yes. the situation. So I, I try to retain as much as I possibly can um, and not limit myself in any way. And that would technically maybe give me the opportunity to do some things that people wouldn't like. But ultimately that would be bad for business. So yeah. might license something against it i not wouldn't i did license something was against somebody's a client's best interest within my legal rights but against their best interest and if i made like a couple thousand dollars off of that it's going to damage my business so much more than that couple thousand dollars in the long run because that person's going to say don't work with him sell your images to other people or like you know make sure you get the copyright don't work with him unless you get a copyright or like whatever and it's like yeah so much worse aside from just being me a not great person yeah also bad business oh yeah um, that's uh yeah you you gotta live with yourself for doing that and then uh long term never gonna be good and you're gonna lose a client anyway probably that way so yeah. like at the very least you're gonna lose that client and any of the yeah, you're taking somebody who was like really excited about the work that you did for them and then being like oh i'm ensuring that i'm never going to work for them again oh. if you if you gave that that license that initial license with us was a thousand mm. and they came back in your example there and they came back the next year and wanted to renew that would you charge a thousand again or would you increase it slightly i think it's a it's a common practice to increase it slightly i think you could um me it's like wouldn't be enough justify uh i think i feel like they're happier if i just say it's the same cost i say it's the same cost and a lot of times i'll say 
if we do a term, you know what? Um, this is the rate now. It's a three-year license. I'm going to license it again in three years. I'll just charge you the same rate. Like, even right. if my rates have gone up significantly, they didn't hire me as, at, you know, as like a super high tier. They hired me at like, like a middle tier at that time or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to be, even if my rates are higher, I usually try to be accommodating to people. I think there's something also with this licensing stuff. Um, your value is sort of incre has increased or your the size of your client, I think will likely increase as you demand, you know, uh, the, the copyrights and the licenses and, and stuff like that, because, um, you're only going to end up working with the clients that can afford that kind of stuff. The worst clients are the cheapest clients. hundred yeah, percent of the time. Exactly. People yeah. have money. They're like, yeah, great. Like, what does that cost? Like, well, I need to, you know, this, oh, this, uh, shoot requires some specialty gear that I'm going to have to bring in, you know, for this. And they're like, yeah, make it happen. That's great. Whatever you need to do, get the pictures that, that we want, you do it. Or whatever the licensing, when you talk to someone and they like, the best is when someone comes to you asking you for a bid, they tell you all the licensing in their initial contact. <laughs> You're like, yes, thank you. Yeah. Someone will answer you. I try to ask before I even have a lot of times before I have a phone conversation, like what's your budget? You know, cause like, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. Like if this is a $5,000 job and you tell me your budget is 700 bucks, like there's no, yeah, uh, there's no point in talking. It's a waste of time. I'm not even going to write up an estimate um, that way. Cause writing up an estimate takes time and takes people time. don't, yeah, people don't recognize that. Sure, it's a part of the gig writing up estimates for jobs that you don't get. But if you're not even in the same ballpark, that's a waste of time. I think it's a five thousand dollar job, and you tell me you have four thousand dollars to spend. Okay, let's talk about. Yeah, what can we work out? And it's never just I'm going to lower my price to come no. down. No. Even meet you in the middle. Really, it's like, okay, then can we make this? You know. Uh, day instead of a full day can we make yeah. it uh you know a year license instead of a five-year license or not really going to put this on a billboard are you like no okay well then you don't need an unlimited license that's costing you more money you're not going to do billboards bus wraps television with these images okay like, a lot of times people aren't even doing like traditional kind of print advertising they want the images for our like website and some digital advertising and maybe um maybe maybe a piece of collateral and and that's that so like all right so then there's no reason for you to be able to use this on a billboard um let's take that off the table and that yeah. saves you some money yeah and in the future you know you can come back and add that licensing on in the future so even then it's coming from a future budget so this year you're paying for it out of this budget and it turns out next year you want to put this on a billboard. Well, then you just pay like an additional fee. That's not like a full, you know, yep. it's a yep. portion of the licensing. Yep, totally. But, so yeah. when, when you get someone that comes in and says, um, 
I won't keep you much longer. We'll wrap it up soon. So, uh, someone comes and says like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't really know what budget. So like, let's say, uh, you ask them, like, do you have a budget? They say, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I've never really done this before. Um, do you then break, break it down? Like pretty layman's, I guess you could say like, okay, well, licensing is usually this much. The shoots are usually like a full day shoot is usually this much. Like, right. how do you, how would you go about that? Cause I get that kind of frequently. Yeah, a lot of people don't know what spend and I used to not want to say anything because I didn't want, I mean, I used to not get specific, uh, I used to not give ballparks because I didn't want to say something was going to be, you know, 2000 and then they're like, Oh, you're telling me a different scope of the job now and it's twice as much that's a much bigger job right. than what you said it's gonna even though from the beginning maybe they were always thinking of it that way they didn't communicate that to me mm -hmm. but, um so i will though now usually i can tell enough like oh that's probably gonna be a half day be like oh it, it could go either way half or a full day you know a full day um would be in this range and i might give like a big range yeah you know, <laughs> right with it pretty big range it could be anywhere in this range and if you um wanted to do it this way i could get it done in a half day i could get you this and this for half mm -hmm. day maybe not that and see where they're at i think ranges um, are I the ranges you will give a range ranges are a good tip i think yeah. the range is a good tip i, I don't do ranges enough i think i go to my full day is this and then yeah. you know i think the range is a good tip and giving it, you know, because too, if you say, you know, this job could be anywhere between four and six thousand dollars, and then it turns out to be like right at four, they're like, oh, okay, that's great. I was worried I was gonna have to pay six. Thank goodness yeah. I'm getting it for four. Yeah. Or if it really even comes in a little bit under that, then they're like, oh, wow, okay, that's great. Yeah. You know, I try to get to like a when i mean the pandemic kind of threw a lot of stuff out the window i mean at one point i mean i i told a couple people like just tell me what your budget is if i can do it for that i'll do yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah things are a little different right now so I mean, it's gotten better yeah it's gotten better sure. I'm, i've since last fall i've been you know getting some real work again that's good but, um for a while well, there it's it's different every well i mean in the states i guess it's a little bit a little bit better here it's in ontario it's up and we're in lockdown and then we're not and then we're in lockdown and then we're not and it's all um but luckily photography has been able to stay you've been able to keep doing shoots which is nice but the businesses are closed so you know it's kind of but yeah yeah um glad glad that you you've so you've maintained your your business and you've been able to survive i guess eh through yeah. through the pandemic yeah, it was. Um, whew, yeah, it was a little rough there for a while. I mean, I went from you know, March in twenty twenty when we first went in the lockdown. I mean, I didn't have a shoot till like the when was that? It was like the very end of the June. Might have been longer than that. I felt like it was longer than that look now because i'm i'm curious Crazy. i can't remember 
longest period you've probably ever gone since you started your career yeah really since i started see what it, i should have this on my calendar i don't know uh but it, yeah it was like it's gonna bother me now it wasn't august was it it wasn't that long i think it was the very end of june things open back up right Yeah, they had just started to open back up. What happened? Yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the end of June. That's what it was. So it's it was a long like stretch. and a half, pushing four months of just no shoots. So it was like, all right, well, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> did, did you keep, I for me, it was uh, my first full day back. I feel like it took me a couple hours, like first event back, it took me a couple hours mm -hmm. to just get my event photography brain and, and hands back and all that stuff. But um, yeah. at the end of the day, I was wiped. I was so tired. The, yeah, I bet. The social, I, I don't know if it was the socializing. I don't know. That's the people. Like we went from like being like two people in a house to, you know, I don't know however many it was, but it was just... Oh, I was yeah. exhausted that day. <laughs> Just yeah, that, I didn't shoot an event until uh, I want to say August of August of last year. The first time Crazy. I shot shot an event, and it was like, no, I was like, I don't like being around all these people. Probably me. That was probably the same for me. Yeah, because events just and, weren't running yet, right? So right yeah people weren't doing things here and it was like yeah yeah it was pretty exhausting i mean I, I i did just like four or five hours so it wasn't super long but still being around and being like i'm trying not to touch anybody you know like i got my yeah. mask on as an event where like nobody was wearing masks and like you know i had mine on and yeah uh but the so it was funny later in 2020 like all the shoots i was getting i was like anything was like outside everything was like outdoors i didn't be close to anybody and then in uh i can't I, I think it was february of 2021 at the first shoot where i was gonna go spend some time inside it was only it was only i didn't want to do i mean in the winter especially i was trying to avoid being inside with people but you know some people were getting vaccinated at that point it was still mostly you know older people yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going into this ad agency. It's going to be like <laughs> three people in this building. Me plus three people. Only like two people are going to be in the room for the shoot. And it's just, I don't usually do um, product kind of stuff, but um, I did for this one. And so I get in there and I'm like setting up a backdrop and I'm lighting out. And, um, and the, director had his own ring and he picked it up he's like hello he's like shit okay all right and he hangs up he's like uh i just got a positive covid test back oh <laughs> i'm like ah come on oh <laughs> so no like, all right i mean we all have masks on in here and we we're like all right well uh i'm gonna pack all my stuff up and go back it ended up being that i could take the product back to my house and i just shot it at my house nice. and i was i was emailing him like s shots so he could give a little direction but it turned out to be a false positive oh so, <laughs> no which i didn't know for a couple days so we had a couple days of like what do we do do i need to like 
was wearing a mask. I should be fine. But like, do I need to separate from my family a yeah. little bit? Or yeah. like, yeah. like, it'll be fine. Surely it'll be fine. And then like, yeah, he got two more tests after that rapid test and then like a longer one like a lab test and then both of those came back negative <laughs> so crazy man it, it was yeah it was a bit much well i'm glad you've been able to uh survive your business i mean and life but uh yeah. your, your business through it and and everyone else out there obviously who's listening and you know uh it's been a it's been a trying time for a lot of creatives so um you know i thank you honestly wholeheartedly for the content that you're putting out there because um not only do i learn a lot from it from the you know his history side of things but um like i said your don't give a shit uh what everyone else thinks about if i think it look that that to me is right. is huge and uh well, I, that's I, cool i more i need more and more people like you in my life so um thank you honestly i appreciate that it's really interesting to hear me to hear what things connect with people um think that um probably the first person who said that thing specifically to me so that's really interesting and cool i think to hear that that is like kind of what what caught your ear about things so yeah i'm glad that we connected on there like yeah yeah, yeah me sure. too me too i can't wait to keep uh, watching your journey and uh watching your growth um and i saw that you have now this podcast may not be out in time but um i guess you're doing like sure. in-person events right like you, you're doing something at a museum yeah so um what we are doing is I, so i thought back to when i was a student and before i dropped my last art photography class we went to the museum i went to indiana university and we went to the museum there and they had prints out um in a viewing room from like some of the all-time great photographers um i remember seeing a weston um i remember there was like a really big really big ansel adams print and just seeing these images from the greats up close and in person had a big impact on me and I thought oh my god that would be cool to do as a, a live stream to be able to like you know talk about them and show them and like you know get the That's camera cool. on them and show some of the like texture and really we've cool. got a whole bunch of prints I was able to coordinate with their photography curator there and we're gonna wow. look at like um um Cartier-Bresson and one of the Gary Winogrand prints they have from that that video the one with the Hollywood Walk of Fame where the lights coming behind the women and there's nice. you know the guy in the wheelchair and the kid and um you know, uh um Eggleston William Eggleston there's a really cool the red room the red ceiling one um, they have a lot of really cool stuff so yeah Very we're gonna cool. do that on Friday so if this goes up after then um I'm gonna put the whole thing on my YouTube channel so however Perfect. long we're doing it an hour and a half or so I'm just gonna leave it uncut put the whole thing up there because you know the curator she's going to be answering questions and um things like that so Amazing. that'll be be cool I'm that's really cool so i'm going to link obviously all of your anywhere this is posted i'll link all of your socials and your website and stuff but if you just want to um tell us where to find you uh in, just in case people don't see that yeah i mean my i'm pretty easy to find because my website is just my name zach dobson.com z-a-c-h and um 
all of my uh, handles are like Zach Dobson photo or something similar. Um, but uh, yeah, so most of the, I'm most active on TikTok. I'm trying to put more of my, not trying, I'm starting now to put more of my content onto YouTube um, that I do from TikTok. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know, um, I'm doing more stuff to um, get some of my own products out there. I've got my own work that I did and uh, stuff like that. Very so, cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool, man. Well, thanks again for uh, for doing this and taking your time. Um, sure I learned a fun. lot, and I'm sure there's others out there that are going to learn a lot from it too. So um, I think we'll be plastering some of these clips on TikTok, which should be cool. But Great. I'm, I'd love to share some of them as well. And I just, this was a great, you're very good at interviewing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm I pretty mean, really new good. to I it mean, in this setting. Like, it's got to be from, you know, I mean, I just assume because you do cause video. That's exactly you know, what. Like, <laughs> in this, this setting, it's together. new. Yeah. I'm usually doing less talking on the other side. I'm usually like, because, you know, when you're interviewing someone for a documentary, you have to just shut up because you need to capture the clean audio, right? So this is a little bit different but uh thank you for saying that um and uh hopefully yeah it, it, down the road you can come back on and once it catches some wind and uh we'll get you back on do another one yeah, for sure that sounds great okay zach thanks so much man All right. yeah take care